0: Welcome to the Switch RPG Podcast. I am one of your hosts, Gio, and I'm joined by Just Johnny. How you doing, buddy? Yo, I'm doing good. He's doing doing way too good. If this is your first time listening to the show from Switch RPG, where we bring you all the latest in the world of RPGs on the Nintendo Switch, he is still dancing this week. We are talking about... Uh, my favorite Divinity Original Sin um, for, a, for a brief moment. Yeah. Um, and then also we have a topic that I wanted to kind of bring up from, I think it was the last episode where you mentioned something to the fact that Final Fantasy isn't really an RPG.
1: Oh, no, 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 no. You're, that's you're, okay. We're, we're putting words in my mouth, I, although I, th- some of those words did come out of my <laughs> mouth, uh,
0: but it, it it was more of a structure type of issue. Okay, well, we're, we're, we're gonna get into a little bit of that. Um, Kind of. Anyway, um, so, uh, again, everybody, we want you to take a look at our Twitter. We have the Switch RPG Awards for 2019. Right now, as of this recording, we have Best Turn-Based. Um, we have a, a poll on Twitter for Best Turn-Based, and that has Dragon Quest 11s S yeah. in a landslide right now.
1: Yeah, uh, I mean, would... Fire Emblem count as turn base?
0: It could. It wasn't in the no, poll. No, it wasn't in the poll. I mean, we we are also limited to four. Yeah. Okay.
1: I guess we have to give something to Dragon
0: Quest because we know Fire Emblem is going to sweep everything else. <laughs> well, it's a possibility. We'll <laughs> we'll see. Other than graphics. Right. So I mean, what, how we're doing it is we're going um, genre, I guess, subgenre by subgenre every week. And uh, I think next, uh, by the time this comes out, is uh, Best Tactical RPG. And mm. then there you have your your Fire Emblem. Yes. So, again, keep an eye on our Twitter. We have polls constantly going out um, about the Switch RPG Awards. Um, also, don't forget, we have Patreon and merch. You can find that stuff on our website at switchrpg.com. also wanted to shout out to some of our patrons, Hedge Knight Mike, Sprinklins, DJ Atkins, yeah. Michael C., and... I'm gonna call. Is this SQL v, Violist? 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 Uh, I'm gonna call it SQL Violist. You know what? I was gonna bring. I was gonna bring my nerd <laughs> braid into this. Uh, so sure, yeah. We'll call it sequel Violist. Mm-hmm. Um, what are you playing right now?
1: Ah, uh, what I've been playing. So uh, I don't know. I can't remember if there was an embargo, but I doubt it. Oh boy! Uh, because it's a beta. It oh was boy! Like a very testy thing, and I think it's open to like other people to play. So okay, is not.
0: I'm beta demo yeah type of thing. there's
1: already been like previews written up elsewhere so i've been playing uh i played the beta de- it's very limited um for yes your grace it was on pc uh it's a pixelated uh rpg managed uh, kind of like a simulation a king simulation game i guess uh you are a king you are making decisions people are you're getting you know you're getting visits from random People, commoners and and like your own family members. Uh, you have to sort of see to like different issues that come your way. They're making requests like, Oh, my money got stolen. Can you compensate me? Okay. Or or bankers come up to you and be like, Hey, you wanna you need a loan for, for all these requests that are coming your way? Or or you have to like uh deal with your family members? Uh you have three daughters and each of them have uh, various different things going
0: on. Is that sort of randomized or is it constantly? Oh, no, no. It's definitely not randomized.
1: Okay. It's, uh, I mean, I don't know what the end game is going to be like, but it's it's um, it's not randomized because a lot of the things that happen are happening and it's tied to the story of the game itself. Okay. So it does relate to your family. So a lot of the decisions you're making is kind of... Um, well I don't want to say they're actually decisions because some of the things I wanted to do I got forced against it. Uh like there was like a, a predefined scripted path that I, I had got to you. go down. Yep. And I had to do those things. But in other things you do have some decisions that you can influence and all that. Uh there's like these uh little raiding groups that are like invading or they're going to war with you. I mean, there, there could have been better ways of handling it. I don't want to spoil anything about the story, uh, but it ends in a major part. It's very reminiscent of like uh, something that happens in Game of Thrones. All right. Uh, and uh, that's where it ends. The, the beta part ends, and it definitely leaves you hanging uh, for more uh i was very interested in it. i was i was in the groove of it you know getting these audiences and being like all right you need some more cattle here's sure, some supplies so yeah have some cattle or or you start hiring generals to make up your army you have a couple of different resources like uh what was it, it was gold supply uh army like like your army power um there was another one. I forgot what it was. And then there's like three sub things or four sub things where you have generals, uh, which is separate from your army power. And then you have like witches, which I never got control of. Hmm. You have uh, pigeon co- a pigeon, a limited number of pigeon couriers that you can send. So you can like request an audience from like various nobility or other kings and queens sure, and whatnot. Sure. Instead of ravens,
0: so, we're using pigeons.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, there wasn't any fantasy elements okay to it that i encountered during that part but it the way things played out it doesn't seem like there won't be fantasy elements to it but right now it seems like it's much more you know realistic simulation rpg style thing so that was
0: pretty cool something that easily could be on the switch probably
1: yeah oh yeah yeah i can definitely see it uh going on the switch another game i played was uh legend of keepers this is if i had to sum it up it's like slay the spire so it's a card game it's uh collecting uh you're collecting monsters instead of cards you are it's very uh comical you are the uh protector you are like the security enforcement a boss for a dungeon. Uh, so you're sort of tasked with protecting the loot that's in the dungeon from the pesky uh, heroes hero, hero. that are coming in to raid it. So you're setting up traps. You're setting up monsters for the uh, for the heroes to fight. Yeah. And then eventually you are the end boss. Oh. So you're fighting against the, the heroes. Hero. Yeah. So you're using the monster abilities instead of using the hero abilities. Uh, and then you get rewarded for uh, defending the thing. So it's it's... Uh, it's got that sort of mix and repeat loop to it. It's very short loop, and then there's the metagame is you're sort of doing the more managerial side of things, okay. building up your monsters, leveling them up, uh, leveling up your own abilities, acquiring gear, stuff like that. All right. uh, it Managing resources. It reminds me fun.
0: of... Um, I actually have a... It's a card game. I think it's a boss dungeon, or it's a... I'm going to have to look it up now. Yep. Um, but it, r- it reminds me of that uh, that game. Yeah, it's uh, it that
1: was also Legend of Keepers is also a demo that I played, which is available on PC on Steam. Uh, and I can easily see it making its way over to the Switch. It's yet another pixelated uh, uh, pixel art style game. So it's not going to tax uh, the Switch whatsoever. Uh, it's got a very tight pick up and play loop. Uh, you can get through sort of setting up your dungeon mm-hmm. uh, and defending it within like five minutes. It's okay. like very bite-sized. So
0: it's it's a perfect game for the Switch. Yeah, and Boss Monster is the game I was thinking about. It's very yeah. similar to what you're talking about. You build your own dungeon and layout, and um, you're, you're stopping all these heroes from coming in. It's actually, like I said, it's the same, reminds me very much of that game. Yep.
1: Yeah, so that that's that, and then beyond that, I'm on the Switch. I'm playing more Fire Emblem and Smash.
0: You're never gonna finish Fire Emblem. I'm
1: never gonna finish it. I'm like 140 hours into it right on, now, on
0: like the hardest difficulty. Not the hardest. One of the hardest. Second to hardest. <laughs> Second to hardest. <laughs> yeah. Trying to get everything. Yeah. Yeah. Forget yeah. it. You're you, you're gonna be like 250 I'm, hours into that. I'm
1: getting so close. I'm at chapter 19, I think. Of 22. Of 2022, 20 yeah. Oh, boy. Either 18 or 19. Uh, that's
0: well, what I guess was. you're getting there. I am getting there. You are getting there. All Man, right. And stuff sitting the fan on that game. So what are you playing? <laughs> um, I am playing Children of Morta. Ah. I am absolutely in love with that game. Yeah. Um, I love the music in it. I love the art style. Um, even though it's just, you know, it's just pixelated bit graphics, I think the colors that they're using, the color palette that they use is phenomenal. Yeah. I typically don't like um, roguelikes, but this is a roguelite, so it's it's in the same vein where you have to kind of rinse, repeat um, your your plays, your playthroughs, your dungeon runs, but it doesn't feel like you'll lose everything you've made progress with. Yeah. So, And I think you kind of mentioned that, so your gold carries over. Everything you basically collect, except for certain uh, some certain skills that you get in that run, those don't follow you, but... Your goal does. Your level ups do. Your, all your skills, do, um, your um, your family skills. Like, yeah. there's just it's just it's a fun game to play. It it you're always getting progress. It's right, like and a, that's the thing. You're. I feel like I'm always I'm always one step uh, closer. One step yeah. closer. I don't feel like I'm ever falling back and it's a lot like uh dead cells
1: in Mm -hmm. in the way that dead cells you feel like you're always making progress because you're always collecting more cells with each run which Mm -hmm. will eventually allow you to unlock more stuff more more weapons or abilities what have you uh which is sort of the big meta progress but in children of morta that that meta progress is way more lenient you actually make way more progress than what you would in a single Dead cells run.
0: Yeah, yeah, and 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 I like the fact that you can level up your individual character, whoever you choose, and then also your family also yep. has level ups in that progress.
1: And and they synergize with one another. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And another thing about the that sort of loop is that you're doing a dungeon, which is about four floors yeah. worth. And then once you're done with that, you unlock the next dungeon mm-hmm. and you don't have to repeat that same dungeon prior. You can move on to the next one or you know do more runs on the sure. previous yep. one.
0: And that's kind of what I do in some instances where I get to the next dungeon. I'm like, oh wow, I really need to kind of level level my dude up. And I'm I'm just having so much fun with that game. I I recommend that game to to everyone. Yeah. Did you do any multiplayer in that game? I haven't been able to. Ah. No. Okay. And I believe it's only local. Yep. Right. Um, Because I, I want to know what that feels like. Um, but, yeah, yeah no. And, and and I think that's kind of a hidden feature on that. I don't know that many people know that that is a multiplayer game or co-op. Yeah. Game. Um, but, yeah, Children of Morta. I can't recommend that game enough. I absolutely love that game. Still playing Divinity Original Sin 2. My yep. f- most favorite game <laughs> for, ever. For the what? The the second playthrough, third. This playthrough? is my third, third, third. playthrough. Okay. Um, yep. I mean, there's just so many options.
1: Yeah, I, mean, red, I can be the I, Red King. I could uh, be.
0: Well, yeah, I, can, I could go with the the origin characters, whoever yeah. they are, the uh, divinity characters, or I can make my own. They can be anything I want them to be. It's just, I mean, the story. The, I mean, the story is kind of similar, but I mean, the playstyle is just it can range from whatever to whatever I want.
1: And they, they got such a great combat system with the sort of leaving the elemental pools of stuff and then being able to manipulate those sort of like you're constantly flooding the battlefield with different traps that either you or the enemy could set off and
0: you can you can set it off and be in the trap or you know yeah, you can yeah. make the trap and you're as soon as you like before you know it you've been teleported in there you've and been swapped fires
1: on you, yeah you know. it
0: could easily but i love the environmental changes in the like you would mention the battlefield the uh the traversal is all there so height advantages always matter Absolutely love that game. Absolutely love it. Um, also played, uh, starting to play a new game called Narcos: Rise of the Cartels. It's kind of another tactical um, RPG, similar to sort of maybe Wasteland Two, that sort of stuff. Uh, nothing really phenomenal there. It does. It is really. Ba- it's based off the show, so they actually show footage of the show. In oh, the game,
1: okay, so it's a modern day, or mm-hmm. did Narcos take place? What seventies?
0: Well, yeah, it's it's in the seventies, so okay. when I guess uh, you know uh, drugs really uh, took well, the took
1: war on drugs thing. Yeah,
0: the war on drugs thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, so it's 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 from the show. And I'm not familiar with the show at all, so I'm really kind of lost in that aspect. But it's it's interesting. It's interesting. Um, so yeah, moving on to news. Huh. Just we were just talking about this. Divinity Original Sin Two is uh, Divinity Original Sin Two is getting a physical release from Limited Run Games. Count me in. This will be yeah. my probably my fourth uh, buy-in for this game. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever. I don't care. I'm getting it.
1: You know what? This if they ever enable uh, cross-play between PC and the Switch, because I know they have cross save. Right, cross save, not if cross If they ever play do yet. cross play, that would I would that would be a, a shoot uh, a surefire way for me to get this because right now my mm-hmm. gopher and I are playing through Divinity and Divinity Two. Uh, taking a while. a while. Sure, sure. But also, her PC is kind of crapping out, yeah. so we need uh, another platform, whether it be a, another PC or on the Switch, if they have crossplay. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. Uh, well, the Switch is also lacking some other uh, features as well. Uh, it doesn't have the Dungeon uh, Master mode, which I've always wanted to try. What is that? Never you, heard of that. You've never heard of the? Uh, it's. I think it's called Game Master.
1: Oh, okay. That's one where you can like. Create your own campaigns, yeah. your own storyline. Yeah, yeah, yeah,
0: it would probably take a lot of work to set up and, and whatnot. But yeah, that's a feature in there. Um, if you're into that sort of stuff, you can you could spend hours on that. Um, moving on. Now, you would I know you would never do this to me, but a man spends 1.4 million dollars on a game character. So this is in in Japan. Um, yeah, Japan or China? Uh, let's see here, China. China. Okay, so he spends $1.4 million on a game character. So this is kind of collectively. This is an MMO. I think it's called Justice something. It's a game I've never really even heard of, but it's probably very Justice popular. Justice Online. Justice Online. Alright. $1.4 million on a character, and his friend accidentally sells it for $552. So,
1: so you say I? this isn't something that I would do. I actually did do something like this. You did not. <laughs> I did, yeah. I did. So... The way oh, I did it God. first, though, was I sold my character. So I sold my WoW character, my, my WoW account, uh, for, I don't know, right around 400 or 600 Did you have, like, how
0: many characters did you have in that account?
1: Uh, so I was the only, or one of the very few, this is during Vanilla WoW, I was one of the very few Feral Druids. Before Feral Druid was an actual build that you could do, okay. I was one of the very few that were doing Feral Druid without there being like, without anyone recognizing that it was good. So that allowed me to sell the account for a because it was only that and like a couple of other minor characters. The Feral, the Feral Druid was, was my sold main, it. Yeah. was my main character, and I sold it. And then the Burning Crusade came out. That expansion came out. I don't know, a year or so later, and then I rebought my same account. <laughs> so I bought back my account for the same. I think the same amount of money. So it was kind of a wash. Sure. I didn't make anything. I didn't lose anything. So, but yes, but, but I did dabble in, in buying and, the, and selling.
0: Okay. Well, character I, I guess his friend uh-huh. uh, he um, he was selling it, but he, he made a typo. So he was trying to a sell it for big typo. Yeah, he was trying to sell it for three hundred eighty-eight thousand yuan. Uh, Yon? Yon, uh, I'm not sure of the currency, mm. but he ended up putting it for three thousand eight hundred and eighty-eight, um, which is a substantial difference. But yep. either way, it this this all went to court. He ended up getting his account back, whatever, but he ended up having to pay the the not the friend, but the person who the original owner of the account had to pay court fees and all that stuff, uh equaling about twenty thousand dollars. Wow. So Here's the thing. You have $1.4 million invested in a game or a game character. I mean, it's time to maybe put down the mouse and keyboard.
1: Well, it... It depends, right? If if you have that money to spend... Yeah, sure. Yeah, and right, this, right. So, I see this as a highlight of the issues for why I don't play MMOs anymore no. and games that have sort of microtransactions that are designed with microtransactions in mind because they do take advantage of you and they took right. advantage of this 1.4 million, uh, you know, spender. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yes, you know, they are... At fault, they should have quit. But these games, you know, addiction, addictive stuff is real. Yeah, and yep. I'm okay with with these things being in there, right? I'm, I'm okay. Like I don't, I don't mind having you know, prey tactics. I don't mind to a certain degree, right? I still poo poo it. I still be like, no, you shouldn't do that, and I'll still say it's bad and wrong. But I'm not going to push for any kind of government regulation. No, no, I'm not. I'm it. not.
0: I'm not getting that that far. I, okay. I don't think there needs to be any governmental regulations on things like that. But but. this is a good example, right?
1: If anyone wanted to use this type of story as, ah, you know, look at how bad it can get Mm -hmm. where one person is paying $1.4 million on worthless digital stuff. Right. Uh, on a server that will eventually, because it happens to every MMO, they eventually will turn off the servers. Like, right. who knows how many years it'll take, but five years or less, maybe a little bit longer if the guy's lucky, but all that money will go wasted. Gone. Gone. Yep. Not gone. I mean, it goes to the developers. Developers help keep things right, running. Right,
0: but it, I mean, it's essentially out of his hands. Yeah. It's yeah. not in his hands at all.
1: Yeah, it, it's an extreme case. It's a headline grabber. I mean, this was reported on Kotaku, and you know.
0: <laughs> Moving right along, it's a little baby, just a little, <laughs> just a little baby. Yeah. CD Projekt Red credits a thirty-eight percent boost in their revenue a a year. Oh, in I'm sorry, their year-over-year revenue. Year-over-year. You. you i My reading is not so good today. <laughs> uh, in part to the Witcher Three on the Switch. Yeah. Well, duh. <laughs> they released like that was, less than a game a year. <laughs> yeah, that was their wasn't that their last game they released?
1: Um. Well, I don't know if you count what? the card games. Um. Well, Gwent. I mean. Gwent. Uh, well, yeah. They they did a uh, standalone Gwent
0: stuff and right. I, I mean, they essentially done, already had that.
1: Isn't there a, uh, another sort of smaller bite size? I could be thinking of Pathfinder. But there's like these smaller bite size uh, Witcher games. Oh, it's like an adventure. I think it's like an adventure type game. I could be wrong. I could be okay. wrong. But I know at the very least, Gwent
0: is another Right. I mean, Gwent, if, I mean, G- Gwent is already in the game. So, they, I mean, how much time do they really have to invest in, oh, th- in that they do have Gwen
1: as its own standalone thing, so right? They right, are right, pushing right. that. So, but yeah, uh, so a big thirty-eight percent boost in year over year sales, like shocker, of course, because if they don't sell anything periodically, right? They're not a publisher; they're a mm-hmm. developer. Their turnover of new major games is like once every five years, right? So. Uh, you know, Witcher Three being a fantastic game is selling every year. Right, it is still right, but progressively up slower up, 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 up until exactly up slow until and slower switch. and then it gets the the switch bump. Mm-hmm. So to me, this isn't really news. This is like common sense.
0: No, it, it is common sense, but it's nice to see that it's happening. Because I mean, I, I want I want more from other developers and yep. publishers to to put their stuff on the switch because it'll sell you know if it's well, decent quality
1: yeah it, it is reassuring that the cd project red people are actually reporting this which shows their enthusiasm mm-hmm. for the boost of sales i don't think it's i i doubt it's like a dramatically huge uh, increase in sales but i would say they definitely made their money worth because for one they're releasing you know this information they're enthusiastic about it uh and 38 percent. you know that's double digit growth that's nothing to that sneeze is good at, right? yeah any company would love to have double
0: digit growth for a quarter right moving on again rumor i don't like to discuss rumors it can make you look bad oh, yeah. i don't like to look bad <laughs>
1: All right, so one of the, one half of these rumors is definitely pretty solid. This has been a rumor for, like, years. Reggie teased this thing at the VGAs. He did. Like, two years ago. Yeah. Where he wore a Metroid Prime t-shirt. He wore a shirt. That's all he did. That's not a tease. That's a tease. Because, uh, what was it, uh, this, the major CEO, sh- you know, whatever type of uh faces of microsoft or sony or yep. nintendo have been doing this quite often uh remember um phil spencer wearing battletoads shirt
0: okay uh,
1: yep. at e3 years ago and all of a sudden now battletoads is a thing that's mm-hmm. coming out very soon ish maybe
0: that game I, what a that game is so difficult yeah. battletoads anyway yeah. um so yeah you're you're taking i i, I guess i guess Oh, yeah. So the rumor is uh, Metroid Prime
1: Trilogy mm-hmm. coming to the Switch. Uh, this has me excited because I have Metroid Prime Trilogy, but it you have to use the Wii controls, the motion stuff. Terrible. Uh, it's not terrible. It's just uh, I actually prefer that control system over standard.
0: Like a traditional? Sl-
1: but only slightly. And it's only when it's done very well, mm-hmm. like in Metroid Prime 3. Okay. Now, the other Metroid Prime games don't utilize that motion control it has it implemented but it's it doesn't the free aim ability doesn't really affect the gameplay. In Metroid Prime 3 Corruption, you had to aim at certain parts mm-hmm. of enemies that you were targeting. So you would lock onto them and now would snap your view to like their center of mass and that's where you're aiming. And then you could free aim outside of that lock-on mm-hmm. and that created very interesting gameplay, uh, combat gameplay uh, mechanics. And when they ported out over to Metroid Prime 1 and 2, well, those don't have that kind of enemy types to right. be exposed to or require that that level of uh, free aiming. So it was kind of pointless in those games. So in Metroid Prime 3, I thought it was preferred. In the other ones, uh, I would prefer regular traditional controls because that's how the games were made. Right. But if they were redesigned with the free aiming in mind, then I'd prefer that. Either way, certainly they're going to do standard controls for the entire trilogy.
0: I would say they'd have to. And they could have some quality of life improvements. Maybe they do change something up and utilizing the Joy Cons and their motion control ability.
1: Yeah, I, I would say the best of both, right? They'll give it like the, the Splatoon treatment mm-hmm. of motion control or, or Zelda style. Because I, I actually love the motion controls with with Breath of the Wild. I don't know if you played with that enabled. No.
0: You disabled that? Oh, yeah. It was so good. I, no, I'm, I am an anti motion control. God, I'm just too old for this. I don't want to move.
1: Well, I think the way they do it is uh, is is probably the best way to do it in mm-hmm. that most of your aiming, your, your big major aiming from left to right, up and down, is going to be done on the stick. And then when you want to hone in the finer uh, precision aiming, you do that with the motion. Yeah. Because it only requires very subtle movement.
0: Yeah, it just I just couldn't even when you had to do in Breath of the Wild when you had to do the puzzles and you had to manipulate the oh, giant that, cube and everything that I
1: understand. I'm talking about like that was that was
0: frustrating to to yeah. like if you're playing handheld like you have to rotate that screen like that yeah. it's impossible. That that
1: falls to me that falls in line with like gimmicky. Where it's unnecessary, right? Whereas when it like, came to we got
0: this cool thing we can yeah. do, and
1: but when it came to like aiming the bow and arrow, okay. that actually felt really good to to sort of have that level of precision, sure, uh, beyond what the right thumbstick would offer. Yeah, no. Uh, there's another part of this rumor though that isn't that is more of a surprise. What's that? Uh, so trilogy, we've known about this for you know two years, right? A lot of rumors about that. This new one is the one that's like surprising, and that is they are potentially remaking Super Metroid, aka the greatest game of all time, the
0: best Metroid. Uh, yeah. Well, yeah. It's, yes, I like yes. Super Metroid. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm sure it has its its problems um, with modern. Uh, as modern gaming is concerned, no, no, no? that game is
1: everlasting. It
0: perfect. holds up. It, it's perfect? It's perfect. Okay. That's cool. Yeah, Super Metroid's perfect. All right. That, I'll, I'm going to agree with you. Yeah. I, I know that some people have, have complaints about it, but. Yeah, but. People complain about everything. Sure.
1: But they, they can be wrong. <laughs>
0: <laughs> they can be very, very wrong. Right, right.
1: And all right. So this is a rumor, right? And it, it's speculation and the VGA awards are coming up. All right. Yeah. Potentially okay. we'll hear something about it. I really hope we
0: do hear yeah. something.
1: But this makes sense to me because look at the last remake. Uh, not, Re- not Zelda. Return of? For Metroid, which was uh, Samus Returns. Okay. And that was done by uh, Mercury Steam all right
0: they've been quiet they've been quiet they've been very quiet Uh uh-huh
1: and they've already remade a metroid game a 2d metroid game so
0: they're just like why not right just exactly okay
1: what 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 else have they been working on and the games prior to that were metroid Castlevania. all right okay because they were castlevania games that they did before Mm -hmm. that and when it comes to doing maybe they'll do a castlevania game instead well they already they've already done that and ruined it which one was that all of them, all. <laughs> <laughs> all of them, and you want them making a Super Metroid Hold remake. On. They did fantastic okay. on Samus Returns. I agree. I'm gonna agree with that. Absolutely fantastic. That game is phenomenal, and that was a, a remake that I really appreciated because not only did they, you know, remake it, they reimagined mm-hmm. what it could be and brought up to modern standards right. and added the much needed combat, the 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 Perry mechanic yeah, that they added yep. in there, the free, the full, uh, 360 aiming, free aiming, mm-hmm. right? They really added more to it beyond just remaking it. Unlike, uh, links awakening, right? Which was more so a tried and true, mm-hmm. uh, Samus returns was definitely, uh, honoring what was there, but also Improve. adding the things yeah. improving on what was there before. So, yeah, and
0: that was my biggest complaints with, with links awakening is that they, they did all this. They made it look beautiful but it really needed some yeah. some upkeep and they didn't they didn't do it at all.
1: Right. And you know, that could fall in line with maybe they thought it didn't need mm-hmm. to have too many of those uh awe inspiring uh, or or too many of those updates that that brings it up to speed because it's already a fantastic game. Sure. So maybe that's why. But um Super Metroid remaking that
0: you don't have to do anything, right?
1: Uh you don't. <laughs> Well, I've already played that game so many times, so they probably should. I I must have beaten that game. Maybe change
0: it up a little bit. Maybe, I don't know, add a few missions or add a mission or something.
1: That is part of the rumor is that they are going to sort of add some nuanced newer-ish things. It's still going to be a 2D side scroll, but it's probably going to have the 3D graphics like the remake for Mm -hmm. Metroid 2. And it's probably, they're probably going to throw in there because they already have it done the free aiming that uh parry system to make the combat a bit more actiony a bit more fluid rather than being uh rather stale and Mm -hmm. and static uh now the combat in super metroid isn't isn't that static it's pretty good but if you give it that little return of sand yeah i think if
0: you add that flare it'll be it'll be good
1: it'll really shine yeah yeah so I'm, look, I am super excited. You're all about in this. on this one, huh? Oh Metroid's one of my favorite game series of all time. Right. So right. and they're remaking the best of the series uh and one of the best games of all time. Potentially. It's all rumor. It's all rumors. Ah, this this one, I have a strong feeling it is actually <laughs> actually happening. Because there was another rumor from Oh boy! Uh, this
0: episode is sponsored by the Rumor Mill. <laughs>
1: well, there there are rumors about about these Metroid games being made, and there was a rumor about uh, Samus Returns being made by this team that was uh, leaked. Uh, so, predated the actual it predated release. the actual okay. release of the game many years, like like a full year prior to the announcement that it was going to come out.
0: So, this could be a we could be a few years out from this then. Uh, so it wasn't this was you can't wait that no, long. This wasn't looked by the
1: same person, but I
0: You're gonna you're gonna explode.
1: To me, this is this is kind of like a hey, yeah. This is definitely happening because Nintendo is still so early on Metroid Prime Four. They need something yeah, to satiate to f- the fans to
0: fill it in, yeah.
1: And just doing Metroid uh, Prime trilogy won't be enough to fill in the gap because I still think well, Metroid to, Prime Four is like they pretty three much have to
0: start over though with Metroid Prime Four. So yeah,
1: unfortunately,
0: but, unfortunately. Hey, it is what it is. Yeah. All right. So next we have Elder Scrolls Blades delayed to 2020. Now. I kind of had a feeling this was going to happen, hmm. mostly because they talk about quiet. They've been quiet on this. Yeah, they've been. There's been nothing since what E3, right? Since E3, this was at E3, and you know who was playing this? Nobody. Not one person was these these the banks for Elder Scrolls Blades was empty. Wow, I don't even know if this will actually ever come out. <laughs> I'm, I'm ser- totally serious. Um, it, it, it's a free to play game. It's got some microtransactions, so. But I really, I really have a feeling this may never see the light of day.
1: Yeah, it's uh, you know, it's cell the cell phone, the mobile style game design. People are just, the core gamers are just tired and sick of.
0: Yeah, yeah. Oh, and I and I totally agree. Uh, this just leads to a question: like, what is what is Bethesda doing? Messing up. Messing up. They are just stepping in it all over the place yeah yeah it's- and it's just we, I, again this is a, it seems like a common thing we talk about but it's something that we don't want to see because bethesda especially with elder scrolls they have that that name recognition yeah. there alone and they're just stepping in it
1: well all right to to be honest the elder scrolls didn't start getting good until morrowind
0: yeah. Right. So the the expansion basically yeah. of Elder Scrolls and Oblivion actually isn't.
1: It's it's a great game, but it's not as spectacular as uh, or up to snuff. It's a much smaller world, mm-hmm. right? That wasn't a very big world at all. And what made that one so uh, impressive was that it was boosting. It was uh, it was showing off some pretty spectacular graphics at the time uh but when it came down to the actual gameplay it was all right it was uh a watered down Morrowind gameplay it was right
0: and I, and i think what what they're known for mostly is their their story and lore their gameplay mechanics um i mean they're their their combat sequences are kind of very basic, kind of floaty. There's really not much to it. I think. Right, but they improved on that and a whole bunch of other stuff
1: on Skyrim. Now, Skyrim is a big deal. That was yes. definitely their their major their breakout hit. Right? Yes, that was the one that escalated the Elder Scrolls into you know uh, a caliber of its own to to sort of uh, fall in line with. Other major RPG franchises yep. like uh, Mass Effect, right? but
0: it's also part of their decline, in in my opinion. Yeah, because once you hit the top, the only way to go is down. Or you can continue to go up, but they just didn't.
1: They didn't because they did. Um, they they didn't do enough to change things up.
0: So immediately after they that was Fallout same. Four. Right, Fallout Four was it was good. Yep, not great. I think it was great. But it had problems. Mm -hmm. I I, I think getting your power... In that game, getting your power armor so early made it feel not special at all. Whereas in Fallout 3, when you were collecting these pieces of power armor, it was a big freaking deal. Yeah. But in 4, I mean, if if I was to go back into my my game save on 4, I my first... Is it hideout? I'm not sure what they call it. It's a gas station, right? I have power armor lined up on the on the roof, the entire way around. It's just it just didn't feel didn't feel special. Uh, I, I think
1: the problem with four was they didn't change up enough of the structure of the game. It felt too much like a skyrim it felt too much like fallout 3 it felt too much Mm -hmm. like uh new vegas right at least with new vegas that world was way more interesting and the interactions were a bit more interesting Mm -hmm. but in general it didn't change enough it added a crafting system and that was the big change with that between all the other fallout skyrims
0: etc but was that even based on what they wanted wasn't that i believe that was a mod in one of the Fallout games, and they took took they took it basically and made it part of their game. Well,
1: it was a big deal in Fallout 4 because mm-hmm. you you were very much in, in, inclined to utilize collect it to junk. collect to collect the junk, mm-hmm. break it down to, into into various components in order to craft. I mean, if you didn't want to do your own home base thing, uh, which was cool, I did that. I mean, the home base stuff was pretty fun. Uh, you used it to enhance your existing weaponry. So you mm-hmm. could add weapon mods and, and different effects, different scopes, and uh, and stuff like that. And
0: that was that was another thing um, as the, well as the armor, the mod, uh, the mods. And I think it was Fallout Three, I think Three was the base building that was not there. I mean, they're implementing it in Four, but that was part of a, the modding yeah. community. <laughs> so I don't know. I, it's just so sad. I have this cabinet filled with Fallout and Bethesda stuff. Uh, yeah. I mean,
1: I don't might put, have
0: to clear it out. I don't put too much faith into
1: Elder Scrolls blades. I mean, no.
0: And, and like I said, this it's delayed to 2020. Don't be surprised if you never, never, ever see it. Play yeah. it on your phone. Yeah. yeah. It works fine on your phone. All right. Damon X Machina, new patch update with some additional new content.
1: Yeah. they added in, Talk to me about this. Yeah. And then a new boss called Zell uh, they did some changes to uh, some missions and sort of like balance type of stuff, and then they added in some additional gear and stuff like that. So it's like some content, uh, boss battles. When you read the reviews for this game, now this game didn't review all that well. I was looking forward to it. It's a mech game, RPG mm-hmm. elements. You almost had me. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I I think they've. You can consider this game uh almost in two parts. Uh, they. Because their initial release or their their beta, which I was involved in, I think it's a demo, demo so yeah, everyone yeah. was yeah, kind I of involved that. in that. Yep. It was okay. They improved upon it, made their release. It was okay, and then they they've just consistently doing updates. And I yeah. and, and I think what we have now with this pro, uh, product, the end product that we have now, is is a little bit better from what I've heard from people.
1: Yeah, it certainly is, but. The problem with this game and games of this style is that they throw in nonsense quests at you in order to uh, essentially busy work. And if you ever uh, read the reviews, everyone praised... To a certain degree, as much as you could, the boss battles, and and they said essentially the boss battles of this game were uh, the funnest parts of the game. Mm -hmm. And doing the, you know, fighting against the the typical fodder and those types of missions, not as interesting. Very mundane. Very mundane. Just aim and shoot at these various things. So to see that they added a new content update, uh, not only doing some balance changes and almost certainly fixing additional bugs but inserting new content like a new brand new boss fight uh which is what, what people really enjoyed what people about the game. said that they enjoy yeah so that's good and reassuring i think it's uh a little bit too late i don't see this game i mean as long as it's not costing the company too much time effort resources etc I think it's fine because they are catering to a very niche core crowd. I could have been part of that crowd. Could have been it. Could have been, but, I mean, the game does is fun, fundamentally floored in its combat system. The camera and the zipping and zooming of characters. <laughs> I don't know why I'm using those words. But zipping and zooming. Of the enemies uh, as they sort of speed through you, it's not fun to have to re- uh, reorient yourself, re re you know move the camera sure, around, re sure, sure. yep. aim at these characters that are moving way too fast. The combat was just a little bit too fast, which was fine, uh, but they didn't do it well enough. They didn't give you enough time to react in a way that they expect you to react with having the enemies move as quickly as they did. Not all the enemies, yeah. And this is why the boss fights. In my opinion, were funner than the actual mech versus mech fights, uh, where you're fighting the, the faster, more nimble, agile enemies that are able to dodge and stuff like that. Because the bosses are so big and, and cumbersome, and they the st- stay there. Yeah,
0: they're stationary. so you can
1: unload on them for a bit, right? Mm-hmm. And you don't have to like constantly reposition your camera, reposition your character and all that stuff. So it's an issue of controls. And when you have an issue of controls in your game uh that has bogged it bogged down its review score you kind of can't fix that
0: yeah it's hard to get out of that without a whole new product that's the
1: feel of the game and if the feel of Mm -hmm. the game is mediocre oof that's hard yeah
0: but like i said they're they're uh they they have been doing improvements but let's see what what else they have in store you know you hope for them to move on here
1: yeah i mean if they ever do a sequel i will pay attention i'm not out I'm just
0: out for that particular game. Mm -hmm. Okay. What's this? This is getting in shape stuff?
1: Yeah. I'm I'm out on this one. Uh,
0: (laughs) (laughs) So Ring Fit Adventure RPG. RPG, yes. On
1: Switch, uh, where you level up yourself (laughs) in-game and out of game. Uh, So apparently they ran out of copies being sold. So they kind of like underproduced. And this, or this game oversold their, well, clearly oversold their expectations to how much that's, that'll be interesting to
0: find out. This is in Japan, right? Uh, yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, maybe they just didn't, maybe they underproduced it. They're like, I don't want, we don't want to put out all these peripherals if no one's going to buy them. They're going to sit on a shelf. Yeah. You know, uh, so that could be a little bit of that.
1: And that has happened. So this is probably them undercutting it because they already did a hardware type of skew with uh, the Labo stuff. Oh, yeah. Yep. And they probably un- overestimated Over, yeah, they overproduced the Labo. That, yeah. And to compensate, they underestimated for Ring Fit Adventure. And lo and behold, it's uh, they, the phrasing that I see here is severe stock shortages so severe so they didn't they didn't uh undercut this by a little they undercut this by a lot but when you look at the sales numbers the game is over a quarter million in japan or right around a quarter million that's That's not a little that's that's a lot lot. that That is is a lot
0: that is a lot
1: a ton and to say that they have severe shortages wow like Kudos mm-hmm. to them for making a uh, game that can slightly tickle the fancy of Wii Fit.
0: That's definitely what it is. Yeah. Uh, except you're not dealing with senior citizens uh, trying to bowl. Not uh, yet. You're dealing with mil- millennials trying to stay in shape. Because yeah. I am not doing it.
1: Yeah, I mean, if they didn't present this as a, uh, if they presented this as a more serious, tried and true fitness mm-hmm. game. Being the switch popularity that it is, I could only imagine that that would have been one
0: of the hot ticket items for this holiday season. Sure, yeah, and I, and I say millennials, I'm only I'm only kidding, okay, I'm, <laughs> I'm only I'm only joking. All right. Yeah, so really, really interesting. I I didn't think something like this would would do well at all. Yeah, talk about
1: niche. Yeah, uh, it's it's a non-core brand new franchise, non-core RPG, like very casual RPG. Mm-hmm where it has a per- peripheral uh, and you have to physically <laughs>
0: work right and, in order and, to play the game. And I've heard a, a lot of stories about people utilizing this to, to kind of get in shape. And they say it's kind of a, a workout or stay in shape. Yeah. So yeah. really cool. Yeah. Really cool. Just, just not for me. Stardew Valley has an incoming large content update. These guys just keep putting updates into this game. Are they ever going to make anything new? this
1: game is still showing up in the top of the charts on forever on uh on the switch on the on the eShop. Mm-hmm. uh it's it's if you ever go into the digital only this game is showing up there every single time i check it it's just there regardless of whether there's a sale on it it's right. insane how i don't, well I don't know that there has
0: ever been a sale on it it's not been necessary
1: no, no, like i'm sure it's been on sale but kudos to them man. they they just made one of the best-selling this is one of the best-selling switch games of all time right is it it's it's up there it's definitely in if i had to guess it's easily in the top 20.
0: Oh, I yeah, had to guess. yes I, I i i would have to agree with you
1: i'm talking about copy sold, I'm not talking about like total revenue because sure. this is a it's a budget game uh, oh it's was it like a 15 fif- or 20. Fif- i think 15 sounds yeah. right yeah yeah so they added in a bunch of stuff let's see there's some end game stuff and and i'm just reading off of uh what is listed on uh, my nintendo news as the source but this is kind of directly off of the stardew valley uh website so if you ever want to learn more about what's in the content you just go to stardew valley, uh, net or whatever it is uh, and look up the patch content uh notes it, there are titling it as the 1.4 content update so you just read that it's probably a blog somewhere on their website and uh yeah so new endgame stuff they got uh i guess a new 14 heart event for every spouse so you can marry and and sort of develop a relationship uh i don't know if 14 hearts is like one two four ish whatever more than what was there i don't know if they increased the amount I don't. I remember it requiring a lot of hearts to develop a relationship with someone. I just never bothered to count up to 14. But right. apparently, there's some new events that happen with that. New fish in a pond. There's a new map, a new farm map called the Four Corners. Uh, I think the farm maps are the... When you start up the game, it randomizes things. Okay. And I, so, I think the Four Corners is part of that. Let's see here. Four Corners is perfect for... The new separate money option in multiplayer. Oh, the game has multiplayer.
0: Yeah, that was a new that was one of their latest content yeah.
1: updates. They've been talking about that forever. The game released and they said, Oh yeah, we're gonna do co-op play. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, you know, soon it's coming. And my girlfriend and I waited and waited. I mean, she kept playing it and i was kind of waiting around i played a lot of the game but at some point i was like "Ah, oh, I, I really i'll get back into it when co-op is in there and that never came in and we were looking forward to it uh i guess it finally made it in there but it was like way too late this mm-hmm. game came out within during the first year of
0: the switch yeah i want to say the first few months it came uh,
1: out probably like september i think it was in, okay right around right around that time and yeah uh, there's a bunch of new items. They got a whole bunch of cosmetic stuff, like hairstyles, shirts, hats. That's crazy. Uh, pants. Uh, apparently, you can get a Junimo cart.
0: I don't know what that is. is. I don't know what that is what either. That is. But well, there's a lot of stuff in there. So one thing I do know, at co-op, I could see that helping tremendously. Yeah. Um. There's a lot of things to manage, but it's just way too much work. It, it feels yeah. like when I play that when I played that game. It felt like too much work and I was stressed out all the time. <laughs> Part of it is
1: you they dangle this automated item or or tool sure. in front of you. Like, like you could see sprinkler. it. You, can, you can, yeah, exactly. You could see it. You can you know you can craft it, but to get the material to craft it takes a bit of effort. Right. But it's because you know it'll give you so much relief and so much free time because it'll be auto it'll automate some tasks that you have to do day in and day out. Mm-hmm. And then that's part of the charm of those types of games is you get, you finally get this thing. It's going to automate this thing. And now you have a new freeing up of time that you can use to like go into the mine and kill some monsters mm-hmm. or whatever.
0: I wish it was more of that. Cause that's, pro- that's I think the aspect that I really liked. Eh, all, all the games generally have that. It's just, Oh man, There's, I was, I was stressed out. Did you much. ever,
1: did you ever play, um, uh, what's it called? The graveyard Keeper? No. So that's another Harvest Moon, Stardew Valley-esque game. Mm-hmm. But instead of... Uh, you still have a farm, so you're still growing stuff. Uh, but you also are a uh, undertaker slash graveyard keeper. And uh, also a... Uh, what's the term for someone who performs autopsies?
0: Uh, 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 I
1: don't know, but you do that as well. So you get ortician? bodies... <laughs> Uh, bodies get delivered to you and then you have to perform an autopsy oh, cool. on them and you're extracting like org. It's a very morbid humor, oh, okay. gallows humor
0: style. I game. actually do remember that. Cause at packs, right? They had, you play the game in a coffin.
1: That game in a coffin. Yes. Brilliant. Yeah, yeah. The game The game has a very awesome sense of humor. Yes. I, I absolutely love it. Because when you're taking out the organs of the dead body, you're draining its blood. You're taking out its organs. You're, you're harvesting its fat and stuff like that. You can actually take these things and do various things with it. Like uh, create mystery meat that you then sell to the <laughs> tavern for them to use to make their food with. That's terrible. It is terrible. But it's awesome. Oh, no. I don't like that at all. Because yeah. uh,
0: I'd potentially be eating that.
1: Yeah. And that's another game where they have like this big giant tech tree to show you like, here's the stuff that you can make now. And here's the stuff that you can make in the future that's going to make your life
0: so much better. But you got to build all this other stuff in between. Yeah. Nope, I'm out. And I, and you know what? I always get those games. And I'm like, this is way too much work. I quit.
1: Well, I was it? Do it. I enjoy that game for the amount <laughs> that I played. Uh and it, w- it could very well be a game that I would want to play even more. Because it seemed like a, a Stardew Valley, but shorter, it seemed like. It seemed like the the sort of cycle, instead of going through like the four seasons to make a year and you're going through year after year. Right, right. Instead of having that lengthy loop, uh, it felt much shorter where you had some more predefined goals. Um, I don't
0: mm-hmm. want to ruin anything storyline-wise, <laughs> but yeah. Not for me. Alright, and I think no no no, this is not the last bit of news. Um uh, fairy tale. We we talk about this every time. Finally has a release date. Yeah, March nineteenth. March nineteenth, twenty twenty. It's about time. All right. Moving on. This is a Koei Tecmo. A lot of people say Koei Tecmo likes to hide stuff behind a not a paywall, but a DLC wall, I guess you could call it. Hopefully they don't do that with that one. That would really disappoint me.
1: Uh you
0: know, I wouldn't doubt it. Just kind of hide, you know, hold content back as yeah. DLC. That's just, that's just a well, that's, terrible business. That's fine by me. I don't
1: mind. But what the way I'd rather prefer uh, DLC to pay for is to just hold it and put it in one big giant package. Mm-hmm. Go back to expansion days. Like, that's way more cost efficient. It, it incentivizes more people to buy into it. Right. Because it. Uh, expansions are typically more worthwhile and expansionary but if it's uh you know little tiny bite-sized dlc things like no one really cares about this costume or or
0: this right but that's when you're nickel and diming people and people just exactly don't like that yeah. no all. one
1: no one likes nickel and diming but when it co- if it is an expansion and it shows that the level of effort is there like i will buy it right look at lord of the Destru- lord of destruction to diablo 2 like, no one plays Vanilla Diablo 2. Oh. Everyone plays Lord of Destruction because it added so much more to it. Mm-hmm. Every single expansion back in the early 2000s and, and in certainly in the 90s, like, the expansions were very
0: worthwhile. Mm-hmm. Uh, Monster well, the, Hunter. The, the ability to monetize a uh, DLC wasn't there, really.
1: It wasn't and because they were still doing physical copies. Mm-hmm. The expansions were physical copies back then, and the advent of digital sales has allowed them... The flexibility of being able to nickel and dime, mm-hmm. and you know Bethesda. Speaking of Bethesda, yep. one of the first ones to like really nickel and dime people. You with want this? You want
0: this horse armor? Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> but some companies are returned back to expansion level type of content updates, like Monster Hunter Iceborne. Right? Yep. That's an expansion. That's sizable expansion. It's very sizable. So therefore, to me, very much worthwhile to purchase. Mm-hmm.
0: Not not uh, worthy of having a slot in the best of best RPG in the game awards.
1: It's an expansion. Oh. No, it, it wasn't in, in there. It did is it get nominated. It did. Yeah, it's terrible. Oh, you're saying it shouldn't be. nominated. It should not be because
0: it's, it's an, an expansion.
1: expansion. Ah, I'm okay with that. Some expansions are actually substantial. Enough. I mean, if you're arguing that, then how do you quantify, how do you sort of quantify MMOs, bigger, longer lasting things, especially, Final Fantasy 14, which also got nominated, and it's only getting nominated because the
0: game came out years ago. Right, right, But it's right, only right. getting
1: nominated because a major a expansion ex- right. came out.
0: I don't agree with it. All right, fight me. We'll I'm, fight later. I'm
1: okay with it because that means, uh, and I'm trying to remember like some of my favorite expansions ever. Right,
0: but I don't that that game without the original purchase is maybe useless. Right, or do you need the there, original game?
1: There are plenty of expansions that are standalone. Look at uh, Torna, the Golden Country.
0: Can you play that game without? Yes. The Xenoblade Chronicles Two.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I played the entire game, even though I had Xenoblade Chronicles Two. The game is on a separate cartridge you could physically buy. Torna, the Golden
0: Country. Okay. Then physically that, separate. Then that. Okay, fine. And I'll, it's a standalone. I'll, I'll go for that one. I'll go All for right. that one. I'm not going for Iceborne. You can't change my mind. Right. you not. You're, it's not. It's not going to happen. Don't even try. Monster Hunter's Phenomenal. <laughs> Legend of Heroes, Trails of Cold Steel 3. Coming to the Switch. Oh, my God. People are act, act going absolutely bonkers yep. for this.
1: So the the Legend of Heroes franchise uh, is a big one. And, you know, this third one looks very different. I don't remember Trials of Cold Steel 1 and 2 being as... 3d as Mm -hmm. this one is uh those were more 2d right and their combat system and you're
0: you're i'm waiting for you to teach me
1: teach you so i don't (laughs) the only the only things i know about it is uh i watch a lot of uh people sort of offer their comments about like various different games. And this one sort of came up as like, Hey, this is a game you should, this franchise is something that you should pay attention to and care about because it is available on a lot of platforms. It's available mm-hmm. on steam and on uh, PlayStation. And now it's coming to the switch and they praise this franchise for its very in-depth, very elaborate story and world, right? Where a lot of the characters that the NPCs, seemingly meaningless NPCs, will actually offer something more than just "hello, how are you?" Uh, for a conversation, they'll actually like give you something about the world, but only relative to what they
0: understand. Yeah, right. So right, it right. makes okay. sense. Um, they only know what they know, right? That, yeah. That's that's awesome, and. I got to do homework on this. I like I said I know people absolutely love this game and I got to do homework on it. I will come better prepared the next time. And uh one 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 complaint was, all right, so they're bringing in uh the third iteration of this. Yeah. What about one and two? One and two apparently you're going to need to know what happens in one or two. Yeah, one and, and two. T- typically
1: I'm okay with jumping into sequels or trequels, whatever, for most games. But RPGs, you know, ca- kind of hard to recommend that. It can be done. But for this series in particular, just by how elaborate the storyline is and how much it connects with prior uh, prior se- uh, prequels, prequels or, or prior yeah. iterations, mm-hmm. uh It's supposed to carry on a lot with it. And so if it's just released in the third one and you're not playing the first or the second, yeah, that's that. And not have any availability to play the first and second for a very in-depth, elaborate, story-based, story-heavy franchise.
0: So who knows? Will they bring the first two on over? Maybe that's kind of a lesser of a story for them. I don't know. Or will they just do in this third one? All right. Here's a recap. Do you want to watch it? Maybe they'll do something like that. I don't know. But that was one of the major uh, major complaints was that, all right, we have three, but we're going to need the other two, yeah. especially for newcomers like myself. So
1: Yeah, now just looking at footage between the first, second, and third, the combat system looks very, very similar. So mm-hmm. when it comes to you know fundamental differences between those uh, you know prior iterations and the most up to date one you're not going to miss much combat wise cuz i mean it looks like the the third one is just taking what was developed on the first and second and adding more more to it or streamlining a bit more mm-hmm. uh polishing it up uh right. and refining because this looks almost identical uh combat system wise to to what i saw of the third one
0: yeah so maybe there won't be a relearning of everything but uh story-wise it may be a problem yeah, yeah. okay and on to the last bit of news kind of uh our major talking point for uh for today uh, oh, yeah. we're gonna we're gonna skip on some pokemon news i think that's a little
1: yeah, yeah yeah we don't need to talk
0: about that we don't need to talk about no pokemon yeah. nah. all right so uh, one thing you mentioned i think it was last episode that final fantasy isn't an rpg mainly because of the lack of choice was that your words
1: yeah it, it was player agency uh me- making meaningful choices and it wasn't it wasn't all of Final Fantasy as a franchise. Sure, it was, it was
0: a particular one. It was thir- was it thirteen? Thirteen is one I definitely
1: call out as being way too linear uh, of an experience. It's more of a uh, like, like a movie type of experience rather than a immersive video game experience where you <laughs> ideally, or to, in my in my mind, the ideal RPG uh, rewards the player and offers to the player. Uh, the ability to influence various elements of the world or of the story or of the characters, the party members that they interact with, et cetera, uh, to a degree that that has some relative significant impact
0: mm-hmm. to to the to their the growth or yeah. the in, in within the game.
1: Exactly. And with the Final Fantasy series and a lot of other RPG series do this, too. Uh, the experience, the the way that those RPGs are structured is too linear, meaning that you're always going to get the same storyline delivered to you. You're always going to progress from one area to the next area, whatever those areas may be.
0: Just the same as everyone else. In
1: order to drive the next part of the story in order to to make your way towards the end game, whatever that may be. In contrast, now this is in contrast to fallout new vegas or skyrim st- games like that the more western style rpgs where you can deviate heavily from the path and do things completely different uh from from what uh there is no sort of true path and there is a way there's, to an end, there's to a
0: beginning the and an end yeah. and then whatever else you do in between, yeah, is exactly. whatever else you do in between,
1: yeah. Essentially, you know, you take Breath of the Wild, right? You can beat that game without having to do any of the major uh, um, uh, great
0: beasts. The, the sure, I forgot what they're called. <laughs> I don't know, the ancient beasts, the ancients. I, I, I don't know,
1: whatever those We're having a tough time with things. words today, yeah. I know, it must yeah. be the snow. It's an all thing, it's Thanksgiving, it messes up. Oh
0: man, yeah,
1: it oh. Up. okay, but. You know that, that's that's what I'm getting at is that you could uh, explore everything that there is to offer, all the side quests, all of these weird, nuanced things, and gain a lot of things, whether it be uh, experience, gear, equipment, abilities, uh, new party members, etc. Or you could just beeline to the thing and end and, the game. End the game. Uh, Mass Effect, right? Another great game. Now. Uh, game that did it both linearly but also non-linearly where you could miss out on recruiting certain party members Mm. you could make decisions now it was a very linear sort of experience you're not going to change too much of of the beginning middle and end core parts of the storyline but you will augment other parts to the story within the Mass Effect series overall. Uh, for example, determining whether you know certain things, races, characters, whatever, either live or die, and you can mm-hmm. make like these bigger, grandiose, player agency-based decisions. So
0: now, would you say that that particular style of RPGs is a more of a contemporary, whereas say traditional JRPGs are more? stuck in their old ways, and there really is no way to get out of that? All right, so
1: not all JRPGs are stuck in their own way. I think Xenoblade Chronicles X uh, changes things up. It presents it in a very different structure. It's really a, an issue of structure, because there's a lot of great things in JRPGs, but there's also a lot of things that are holding it back for the sake of tradition and not wanting to deviate too much from the structure. Uh, Final Fantasy Fifteen, right, huge
0: change right they they decided yep. to to do things a bit different well you saw you saw that change happening in Final Fantasy 12 yeah um yeah. so that's when you kind of but that's their take on what a western they westernized their RPGs at that point yep
1: they uh, they did that, but they also did that for Final Fantasy XI. Those two were kind of like very, very close in release. Either XI came out first or XII might have come out first. But the combat system, that mm. open world nature of it, they were they were sort of double teaming the same game design in order to, to maximize the most development time that they put into it right. uh, between the, those two projects. But there, there's other ones, right? uh Xenoblade, the original, uh, that one did things very differently, very Western-style right. influence there. So it's really more so um, JRPGs will be a little bit too rooted in in what they – their comfort, right? They, they get a little bit too comfortable. This happened to the Tails franchise in a very, very bad way where Tales of uh, – what was the one after uh, Vesperia uh, got moved things into a very lackluster uh, type of way where it felt formulaic Mm -hmm. and once again all of the Tales games you do not have any major change in the storyline. There's nothing significant that can happen. The last one that I can remember there being a significant change up of either party members or storyline is Tales of Symphonia.
0: And that's what uh, PS... That's a GameCube game. That's a GameCube game? Yeah, it re- was
1: on a PlayStation? It released on GameCube first. Okay. Yeah. And that one you could choose between a certain party member uh, living or dying. Uh, okay. In that one. And maybe. that
0: had a major impact on story? Well, um, you
1: know, that, that party member, yeah, you, you, you either have or don't have that particular party okay. member. Uh, but that was their kind of
0: the last real deviation. It was more so
1: between two different party members and Mm -hmm. you're sort of picking and choosing between the two Um, but yeah yeah, I'm trying to remember like whether any other Tales game within that franchise had something even remotely close to that level of of decision Mm -hmm. uh, that would impact the story in a relatively significant way and I can't really think of them. I've played a lot of the Tales game. I didn't play them all but I played a lot of them. One of the worst ones I've played through and beat Uh, which was super linear is Tales of Symphonia 2, which was on the Wii. (laughs) That was a terrible game. It had only uh, co-op for multiplayer. Uh, I mean, thankfully, the Tales combat system was great, but it was great on Tales of Symphonia and Tales of Abyss, and they pretty much did not really change up the formula all that much. They didn't need to, but they also got very comfortable, and the structure of those Tales games, very linear, uh, yes, some of them did have an open world to explore, but it was always gated by the next scene, the next, uh, the next sort of NPC. They have to initiate a conversation with right, in order right, right. to make the story progress to the next thing. So it was always structured the same. It was a very, right. it's a very linear structure in a world that sort of gave you sort of, sort of gave you. Think of it like, uh, I don't know like a diamond thing where you had like this little focal point <laughs> where you start and then things sort of widen up. You got like a little bit of flow area and then it sort of constricts, goes, you back. constricts you back to a center point where you cannot progress any further until you sort of get initiate that NPC quest or go through that dungeon or something like
0: that. Mm, okay. Uh,
1: and Tales of Symphonia didn't have the open world. Or uh, Symphonia 2 didn't have the open world. You, ha- you actually had to like, you had like a map. And you just select the next point in the map they want oh. to go to. So it was like very non-linear uh, style game. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there's plenty of other games out there that do that. Uh, the World Ends With You. Um, as much as I love that game, uh, that was also a very, very linear game. You there see, was no
0: open world experience you see that there. with Pokemon. They've been doing it for almost 30 years.
1: Yeah, Pokemon. I mean, you are going from point A to point B. There isn't really an opportunity to deviate from a certain path. You can't, you can't go out of sequence on things. Mm-hmm. Take uh, a lot of the Zelda games uh, like Skyward Sword or Twilight Princess uh, or um, the sailing one. The Sailing Wind Waker? Wind Waker. Oh, man. <laughs> These names are escaping me. But those are all very linear experiences. You. But those are not deviate. RPGs.
0: Thank you. Um,
1: oh, I mean, what I'm I, trying to say is, sure. No, I, and this falls in line with Japanese developed, uh, developed games okay. and stuff like that, they get very
0: comfortable. They do get very comfortable. And the, the real reason um, why I brought this up, because there's an article on Vice. Uh, I will link that in all descriptions. Um and their their talking point is it's from a podcast that they do. Yep. Their talking point was, you know, with this tabletop RPG renaissance, um, whatever it is we're seeing right now with all these different tabletop RPGs, should the video game RPGs be taking note and and basically start implementing some of their design choices, some of their the way they the way they do uh, are doing things. Um So basically, um, there was a a really good quote. Um, We'll go here uh, where Rob was getting into conversation with Emmanuel. I'm not sure who either of these people are um, about the encumbrance and how many games uh, deploy it and why sometimes it totally feels pointless. Yep. Um, And other times the game wouldn't be the same without it, but it got me thinking about how so much of what, Informs your bog standard RPG goes back to RPG systems like Dungeons and Dragon or GURPS. I'm not. Do you I know? I've
1: never heard of GURPS. I've, I've never, never heard, heard of GURPS. GURPS. i probably experienced GURPS a whole lot, but I'd never
0: right. heard the term GURPS. So so there there's there's the basic some one of your basic things. Some um, tabletop RPGs there's no encumbrance. There's no no none of that. Yeah. Um. And and some of that stuff is brought over in the olden days for CRPGs. Uh, brought there and then just never left. Uh, Things like that.
1: I mean, a lot of these games are just including uh, these elements from traditional games or just other video games that have done things or tabletop games that have done these things. And because everyone's copying everyone, because uh, the people that they're copying, typically you want to copy the successful ones. And because they did it, you think that, oh, they did it. They're successful. We should do it uh in order for us to be
0: successful right take uh the elder scrolls games they have encumbrance and (laughs) have you ever had that one item you're like i can't get rid of anything yeah and you traverse the entire map just just encumbered just whatever
1: that is fallout (laughs) (laughs) that's like that the whole elder scrolls and fallout games just have that and you know it used to be if it wasn't encumbrance through like weight of of items then its encumbrance by sheer number of available inventory slots. Um,
0: right. So been, they, I mean, resident evil kind of does that a little bit yeah. with the way you kind of fit it in on a grid, but for resident evil,
1: they did it in a very meaningful way where they purposely wanted to restrict how much resources you had available to you right. and make that type of decision making very important. Now it's, bothersome because it gets in the way of the puzzle items that you have to also carry around with you so you're Mm -hmm. competing with your survival inventory slot survival item inventory slots and the items that you need to carry with you because it's the key to this one place the next
0: area opening Uh, up
1: and the fact that those two things compete on inventory slots is a problem but the idea of encumbrance and limited item slots uh inventory space etc The idea of it is fine it just has to you know developers should rethink these things and rethink them in a way that you know should we do it the way that all these other places did maybe they never fully thought out you know how to do it or do it well or do it better than the prior person you know they really should take uh rethink these things one thing that irks me about just rpgs things that people should drop is the whole you know, strength, wisdom, intelligence, the you whole don't, like you don't like baseline that at all. Stats is, it's completely pointless. You can hide that entirely from the user because none of it is actually tied into the fundamental mechanics of what dictates your damage, your the number of attacks you make, or, or like the actual core elements of the of the combat system. I disagree, HP does. I disagree totally. They look well, they influence it. They absolutely influence it, but I'm not talking about that. I don't care that my strength went up by five. What I care about is the amount my damage went up by, not my strength.
0: But if, if your strength modifier is what indicates your damage output.
1: Indirectly, though, that's what I'm getting at. It's the indirect nature of it, and it requires some calculation either on your part or, thankfully, uh, in mo- most modern games, it's they show for it for you, you sure. already. But at that point... Why even show it? All I care about in Diablo four has been doing this. And I think in Diablo three, they start to, to head towards that direction because it,
0: they just show the damage output. And exactly.
1: Else. Cause that's all that matters. Just give me the final numbers because those are the numbers that I want to, that I'm going to be, uh, basing a lot of my decisions off of right? Mm -hmm. Or eventually doing the math to figure out that's where those are the final numbers I'm going to be based
0: on. So maybe if they do something where it's a strength, intelligence, wisdom, all that type of stuff, maybe strength should uh, not only just modify your damage output, maybe it should modify something else. Well,
1: there's plenty of other games that do have core stats of whatever they are, Mm -hmm. and have those core stats influence multiple things. Take Fire Emblem, right? Where uh, your... Strength not only affects your physical damage, but it also affects the your carrying capacity. Your your there is a weight in,
0: system, right? encumbrance it's, or it's whatever. It's
1: kind of hidden in yep. Fire Emblem. It's not. It's there. It's but there, it's but you never really run
0: into problems, though. I've never. Oh, no, like, they, oh, I've yeah, never yeah. run into it.
1: Oh yeah, it's a big it's a big thing. So okay, maybe it,
0: in your play. <laughs>
1: they just don't they just don't show it to sure. you. Okay. If you ever wonder why sometimes with some weapons you can attack twice and sometimes you can't attack twice, it's mm. because of the weight difference. Okay. And that's that weight difference uh, comes into play depending on your strength. The higher strength you have, the more weight you can actually the, the heavier weapons you can actually leverage. But that's all
0: that leveling is all done either not automatically and yep. randomly as well. So you're not doing any of that. No, it is, but all right, I mean, that, you have that, ways of manipulating it, Right. but,
1: right, but that, that is a different, that's a different uh, sort of <laughs> beast. Altogether. I'm just, I just want to use fire. Emblem as an example sure, to sure, show sure. that there are already games that will have dual purposes for a singular stat. Right. Uh, I mean, and, a, lo- and that's a lot where, of the Bethesda games have that too. And that's where it matters. I think.
0: Yeah. So, um, where were we? Oh, well, <laughs> you, were, uh, you were spouting off some... Uh,
1: yeah, so physical damage. Th- uh, all I really care about is, you know, the physical damage and then, like, intelligence. I don't care about intelligence. I just care about the magical damage that it's going to do. And then even with those two things being different, uh, different stats, you know, all I really care about is how much damage I'm going to deal to the enemy afterwards. Right, now, I right. know there is a difference when it comes to, like, damage typing, and that is fairly significant, but, you know, developers should, they don't need to sort of remove as much of the abstract, as I would like to call them, the abstract stats, like strength, intelligence, charisma, etc. cetera, uh, and just give me the concrete stats. Uh, they don't have to remove all the abstract ones. But they should certainly rethink the purpose of abstract stats and get closer towards concrete stats, what the player actually is going to use and what the player actually cares about. Because once you get down to that level of stuff, you can you can create newer stat lines and newer sort of statistical things that the player can play around with. And because it's new, it's different. Mm -hmm. It's a different way of thinking about combat where I'm thinking about combat in terms of attacks per second instead of combat in terms of is my strength high enough? Is my dexterity high enough? Is my chance to hit high enough? I don't really care about those things. But if I'm getting like, oh, wow, this new weapon is giving me three attacks in a second versus this other weapon. It's only giving me two attacks in a second. That's great. I can, you know, that's a cool stat to work
0: with. Right, you can figure that out.
1: Right, well it's, it's also you know, you take that and then you take the base damage, right? I don't care about you know, it increases my strength by five. What's that mean in damage, right? I have to apply this this formulaic thing, like it scales <laughs> exponentially, uh, logarithmic, whatever whatever well, it is, and all the various ways that, that games can do it. Well, they're
0: doing it for you. You don't have to figure that well, out. just
1: give me just a solid damage number, and then I can say, oh, I'm getting three attacks a second with this dagger, and it's giving me five damage per attack great i know exactly how much damage i'm going to do sure and when it comes to attacks now damage right that's pretty standard right nothing special there but when it comes to like attacks per second uh that can be interesting to the player because now you open up the mechanic of applying uh an effect Mm -hmm. per attack and now having higher or lower attacks per second Definitely call, uh, gives you something nuanced to think about in a very meaningful way because sure. uh, it'll tie into how many times you can proc something on a on a particular attack chance or whatever. Those are the cool stats. When I'm playing, when I played WoW way back when, right? That that was a thing you worried about was your your attacks per second, how many mm-hmm. times you could proc something per per second, per minute, or whatever. Uh, those were the numbers that you were crunching. How many, what was my crit percentage? What was my chance to hit percentage? Not what was my strength? What was my dex? What was my agility? I mean,
0: all, all what what you've just said is all well and good for Western RPGs. Now, if you get your traditional, um, JRPG turn-based, you can't really use something like DPS or you can use crit chance and crit damage you can definitely use that. Well
1: yeah it depends it depends on the game and the combat system
0: right if it's a turn based game
1: then yeah your your attacks per second don't matter right, right. it's it's not real time you're doing a turn based game. But that's that's what i'm getting at like rethink the core abstract base stats mm-hmm. rethink those those aren't needed anymore they they can be dare i say obsolete or, or made obsolete in favor of something better. It doesn't have to be 100% of the, the time. I'm not saying every game should do this. Right, right, right. But why not rethink the base core stats? Why not rethink them in a way that is more interesting to the player? For example, um, like Bait and Kato's, right? Your leveling up wasn't like increasing your stats. I, yes, there are stats, but something that was a more meaningful stat to play around with and increase as you leveled up was leveling up your 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 deck right uh getting cards that were of a higher level getting new cards getting uh access to more cards that you made up the deck to that you're actually using in the combat system right it wasn't just oh this you know this weapon gives me five more strength versus this weapon etc like like in this abstract you know what does strength actually do for my character like it got rid of those things because when i got a card to add to my deck I knew exactly what that meant. I had access to whatever that card's new ability was. Whatever it did, I had access to that, and it would be added to my deck, and I had to weigh the choice of adding it to my deck, fending it out for the chances of getting everything else, but also weighing that with the benefits that one single card would add to Mm -hmm. my deck. So that was a cool stat to play with, because it was different.
0: Right. And um, harking back to this the original talking point where the rena i guess we call it a renaissance I, I don't know what to call it but the um they're, they're tabletop games have become much more than just D and wizardry and all these they've become very popular right now for I... for whatever reason and um there's there are just a lot of new refreshing ideas yeah and yeah. that's the kind of the crux of the article It's like they want to see the refreshment they want to see these new ideas and take place in rpgs yeah um they said more specifically crpgs but i don't i don't know that you can get away with say for example like pillars of eternity divinity original sin can you get away with absolutely you could in, in divinity so you don't have
1: to get away from certain things but there are certain things that can be dropped uh, entirely, like don't, in, don't like encumbrance.
0: Don't wait, wait, wait. A and minute. Divinity
1: had that. And I know. It didn't need it. But
0: just be careful about when you talk about Divinity Originals sent two yeah, in front yeah, of yeah, me. Yeah. Okay. All right. Go ahead. Look, I love that game too. Probably. I not. mean, it's, certainly not as much as you. No, no, no. no it's fine. No, I mean, uh, encumbrance. I guess it, it doesn't matter. Well, here, here's
1: here's one of the major things that Divinity did that was very interesting. Uh, it added in the whole uh, sort of exploit the terrain. Yep. as a combat mechanic, and being able to uh, sort of lay down some new terrain type mm-hmm. onto the battlefield and then to have that influence things that happen turns later, rounds later, sure. whatever. Uh, it also added in the uh, relationship system. yeah, And the decisions that you made role-playing-wise, this, this is one of the cooler ones that I actually really liked, was uh, depending on the decisions you make as you interact with NPCs, you would, you're uh, what was it, like personality or trait would deviate from one side
0: to another. Are you more of a charming person or a coarse Yeah, I felt person, it really right? mattered um, in, the, yeah. in some of the dialogue choices, obviously, and some of the other choices that you've made previously. Uh, a lot of the choices matter whether or not the outcome is the same because inevitably it is the same. Um, just how you get there is is always, is always very, very different.
1: Yeah, and... The benefits that it gave you weren't really that interesting they were they were certainly useful but they weren't really that interesting because they were just passive uh increases to things that you already had access to more mm-hmm. more or less they they didn't give you they didn't unlock new abilities they gave you like additional stats or additional uh points into a particular skill like making a plus one higher or, sure. or minus one uh, etc um but being able to have your role playing influence uh, and the decisions that you made while role playing influence other parts of the game, like the combat or like your ability to lock pick or whatever it is. Uh, that was cool. Yeah, that was a very new, different way of doing things, and and, and the, certainly appreciated.
0: You feel like the freedom is there, like <laughs> you can just do whatever you want, and that's and I think that's what they're they're reaching out for is like I want to be able to do whatever I I want. I want this to actually be a true legitimate tabletop RPG where I, the story is told, you know, right then and there, basically. Yeah, and.
1: Here's, here's a great example of kind of what I'm talking about, uh, and that is Paper Mario 2, Thousand-Year Door. That game didn't have strength. It didn't have agility. It didn't have uh, intelligence, right? No. It didn't have these abstract uh, stats, but you still leveled up. And what were you gaining when you leveled up? Well, you gained HP. I still think HP is great. It's a, it's a good thing, right? I'm not...
0: not You're not knocking that.
1: I'm not knocking HP. It had, uh, I think it was flower points, or whatever the mana system was. I think yeah. it was in flowers. Uh, FP. Just like HP, but a different pool, a different resource pool to tap into. Made perfect sense to me. Sure. Right? Fits that universe. And then it was your attack damage, and it would only go up, potentially, by one. That's it. And and if even if that, and it was more so tied to the gear you get, and it would always be, uh, I think when it came to HP and, and FP, uh, I think FP was probably an
0: increase of three. That's it, just three. yeah, increase. small incremental. Uh, HP incremental. was an
1: increase of five, and anytime your damage would go up, for uh, I think they separated it between your your hammer attacks and your jump attacks. It would go, the damage go up by one. It was like miniature, but your damage would start at one for everything. Mm-hmm. So then, when you finally leveled up your, your boots to jump on your jump based abilities, it went from one damage to two damage. And that was substantial, substantial, and meaningful. And it definitely gave your character a major bump up. From the older, uh, lower level stuff to Mm -hmm. the stuff that you're encountering now. And that one extra damage made a difference when you were coming across armored enemies because they would negate that damage by one. Right. It was such a great, simple, very, very simple, but such a great, simple, and balanced system to fundamental RPG stat lines. Right. Where they didn't give you like a hundred strength, a thousand strength, like Diablo Three has, like these ridiculous well, numbers they, where you're doing like 1.8 million damage. I think on people just like
0: to see, you no know, flashy numbers on the screen. That's a lot yeah. of what that is. But but they,
1: but they don't need to do that. And mm-hmm. my opinion, it gets in the way, right? Why not just make very small, easily digestible numbers for the players to play with? Obviously, curve them when when you need to curve them in order to in order to sort of balance things out for those reasons, but don't, don't ma- make it escalate, you know, don't make it start at like a hundred and, and have it escalate all the way into the thousands and have your damage go from like uh, 10 damage per attack to um, millions <laughs> damage per attack like that is insane! Like, right, right. like that kind of scale factor is just absolutely ridiculous and is and is pointless when you have a game like Paper Mario 2, one of the best RPGs out there, mm-hmm. Starts at one damage per attack. And it works. It does work. It works perfectly. This Goomba has two HP. I have to jump on it twice, boom. They actually made hit points actually hit. You know, count the number of times you have to hit them, like actual hit points.
0: I, I think, and again, this is what that, for example, that game is is very typical of what Nintendo does. They like to make their games more accessible. Yeah. Uh, so that's really kind of uh, to get, well, younger audience into rpgs yeah and and that's probably why they kept it so simple or mm-hmm. well, simplistic simple but then
1: they layered on more nuances mm-hmm. to the combat system they opened up more things they gave you uh more more star powers that you could choose from sure. they ex- they further delved into sort of building up the audience participation when you're doing those those stage battles which were. Still, an awesome mechanic <laughs> that they haven't done. Uh, I
0: would love to see a remake this day. Or, yeah. of that, but yeah. or, or
1: like a true sequel to that game because that game was was just amazing, especially its combat system. It was mm-hmm. it was simplistic, but it was very uh, very it was easy to predict what would happen. But there was still you know there was still the element of randomness in there to make it exciting. But you knew what the outcomes would be once you learned what the what to expect. Right, Mario is always going to do that one damage, right, on this jump or whatever. If you hit the timing on the button right, you'll get two damage instead of one damage, right? Like you knew what the outcome was be; it was just a matter of execution on your part.
0: Right. Yeah, I agree. Um, so, yeah, what do you guys think about this? Uh, are do RPGs need some sort of a renaissance? Do we need some sort of new new flavor? always i think we always oh, need uh, new stuff uh, yeah i think it's always refreshing you yeah. know when, when you get that one game that does something different and it's like wow
1: you know they should they should take the uh sanity system of eternal darkness and roll that into an rpg no i don't okay Harry did that
0: i i, I don't want darkest dungeon i don't want clones of games i want just new refreshing ideas i'm not talking about a clone mm-hmm. i'm
1: not saying eternal darkness too i'm talking you know take take mechanics that are like completely outside of the rpg right. realm and bake them into an rpg a
0: new altogether rpg sure yeah like you would just mention darkest dungeon and the sanity it, it did a, that
1: yeah it has mm-hmm. uh, i think it was called sanity uh but yeah your characters would oh no it was uh stress Stress, and yes, when yes, the stress sh- built up so high, they would develop some sort of, they would become slightly insane by developing some sort of, uh I forgot what the drawback was, but some sort so of... So,
0: permanent drawback.
1: Yeah, yeah. Uh, I forgot what it was called. Like, they they could be become a masochist, mm-hmm. or they could get some other things happen to them. It That was just great, and it it further impacted Except things. Except if in it, it was, like, way. your
0: favorite character. I <laughs> oh, look, look, look. When you can't going, have favorite characters. When you're going into the darkest dungeon, you gotta know what you're getting yourself into. Right. Oh man. So that is our kind of a news segment. Um, what, like I said, what do you guys think of this? Do we need a new Renaissance here? Uh, so we have no listener questions this week. I really didn't promote that um, all too well, mostly because I knew that we'd be we'd be getting into it with this uh, this last discussion. Yeah. Uh, so some new upcoming RPGs coming this week. We have Wizards of Brandel. I think that's a Chemco game um star ocean first departure r i might be might be getting this
1: i am definitely gonna pull up a video on this because star ocean um correct me if i'm wrong i could be thinking of lunar is star
0: ocean a action-based combat system it is not it is a turn-based game so you're not getting it all right
1: (laughs) (laughs) no i i really like turn-based ones too um but uh, okay, I, I was confusing it with Lunar.
0: Yeah, no, I'm, I'm, I, I, I don't know. It depends on where I'm at with Children of Morta. I, I, may get this. Um, so that is December fifth, along with, uh, I don't know if I mentioned it, Wiz- Wizards. Whoa, 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 I'm sorry. Did you say something?
1: Uh I was right. I it, just want to point out it is action. It is. A, I'm looking at a trailer right now. Star ocean is very much an action based combat system. My apologies. Oh my goodness! So this and that action combat system, it looks like it's like tails
0: style. So within a, like an arena sort of thing.
1: Yeah. Side scroll tails. Like, okay.
0: um, I'm, I'm so sorry. Man. I'm I, so, this excites me. This actually looks good. I apologize a thousand times.
1: You know, I could be wrong, though. That could just be a very action-heavy turn-based <laughs> combat system. I, don't, I still don't know if it's starting, but it looks very action-y.
0: Either way, it looks like it's something I'd be into. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, yeah. Star Ocean Departure R. Uh, then we have December 6th, Immortal Planet. Uh, I actually did play a little bit of this. Yeah, I played a lot of it. It is... Um, it's got the progression of Dark Souls. Uh, where yeah. you. I, I guess. I it mean, has the combats of some Dark Souls. Where there's some sort of dodge and you have to learn the enemy yeah. uh, movements, that sort of thing. But it's, it's done slower, iso- or heavier. Yeah, it's done isometrically. Um, and the, the the aesthetic or the look of it is very. Um, how would you describe that? The art style? Uh, it's an isometric
1: uh, sort of perspective, it's an action combat system. Yep. Yeah. So it kind of looks like a Diablo-y style viewpoint, but it's at the. It's not as action intensive, heavy as those games. It's more slower, nuance like.
0: Um, it is very slow, like Dark Souls. It, I believe yeah. it. It feel like it's very slow. It's a lot slower. At least the. Uh, I got up to the first boss.
1: Yeah, and in the areas themselves, they don't really change up all that much. It's mm-hmm. very bland, right? Uh, and. Uh, simplistic on the environments that you're going through. You're, um, if I, man, it's been a while since I played this game, but you are like a robot champion, dude. Yeah, there were,
0: there were, you could, it was a robot, but there were a few different variations of that.
1: And you land on, or you're going through these planets or one planet with, with multiple areas to explore. And it has something to do with the gods or whatever, but basically you're just going from one area to another, killing the boss. Mm -hmm. And then you move on to the next area. It is, its Slightly open world ish, but in the wrong ways you are It's a bunch of rooms that are connected to it. Yeah, to I wouldn't say it's
0: open open world but, but, but
1: you do have to backtrack. That's why I'm mentioning okay it's open world ish uh, There's a lot of backtrack involved. There's some degree of puzzle solving some degree of uh, of Platforming in there, uh, but it's an isometric game So don't expect too much for the platforming mm. or from the puzzle solving there are some like elements of like hidden platforms and stuff like that in there. Um, the combat's all right. It's it's an okay game.
0: I would say it's an okay game. Yeah, I actually oh. reviewed the game on on the Geek Down. I didn't read it. Um, so moving on. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, moving on, we have Assassin's Creed: The Rebel Collection. Uh, not much of an Assassin's Creed fan myself. I think I played the first one. I don't even remember playing it. But this
1: is a. I played the second one and I never beat it. And that's as far as I got with Assassin's Creed.
0: Yep, same with me. It became some sort of like a, like like a, it became serialized. So every year there was a new Assassin's Creed. Too many. Yeah.
1: The, the the twos of the Assassin's Creed were just terrible because it was like Brotherhood and wherever the one after that
0: one was. I, I From what I, I hear, uh, Black Flag is probably the one to play.
1: Uh, well, Odyssey is definitely the one to play, because that okay. is just full-blown. That's the most
0: recent, right? Well,
1: Odyssey and Origin are, like, full-blown RPGs. Okay. Like, an action-based RPG. Odyssey is the most recent one. Very RPG-intensive. Actually, you can play it on
0: Switch uh, in Japan. In Japan.
1: All right. Well, um... Uh, if they stream it. So you have to oh, get that streaming right.
0: service. So. Okay. So that may make it difficult to just have an account here. I, I don't know. I mean, I have a Japanese account... Yeah. If you lived on know. like the west coast of the United States. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That that'd be Cause, just because
1: proximity to the servers is a big That'd deal be a when problem. Yeah.
0: yeah, that's why Google Stadia is in a big mess as well. Um yeah. but then we have December seventh, Ashen. Ashen is a uh, is a pretty interesting game. I know uh, several people that are very interested in, in that title. Um looks like you're pulling up some some vidya, maybe I'm trying to. Trying to. Be, uh. And then um, I'm not familiar with these other two here. Rift Keeper. Did, uh, did you put these on here? I did put those on there. Rift Keeper actually does
1: look a little interesting. And I got those from uh, the Nintendo eShop. Okay. Uh, I was just looking at what games were coming out and looking at which ones looked like RPGs.
0: Oh, okay. So I... These aren't coming out like in within a week or so. These are coming out at some point.
1: Uh no, they are coming out within the next week. Oh, okay. Week or two. I think the furthest out is like two weeks away. So
0: Rift Keeper is a uh, is a roguelike or light. I believe.
1: Yeah, as long as... yeah, yeah. So it's side scroll action. Um it I, I don't know, I kinda got like Darkest Dungeon. Don't don't tell of, me not don't not darkest song dungeon. Silence Sanctuary esque. Um, uh no, no i because I, I will punch that game in the uh, face we talked about earlier dead cells that was dead the game I actually okay. mentioned. i get All like right. dead cells vibes from this particular game and we, you can kind of see here Sure, right? yeah yeah i mean this looks it's Ever, not
0: slow no it, it's a little reminiscent of uh castlevania um looks anyways yeah uh, yeah yeah it's uh i
1: would say Castlevania, the Game Boy Advance style ones, mm-hmm. it's pixelated artwork. It looks interesting. It looks pretty solid, right? It's platforming. It's side two D side scroll platformer. In you know, going around this big giant environment. There are enemies littered throughout this dungeony environment, and you're attacking them with various attacks. Damage numbers show up. They drop loot. Like, yeah, I mean, it's Castlevania or or more recent uh, Dead Cells. It's it's showing off elements of that so yeah. yeah and definitely dead cells i mean if you like dead cells this one could
0: be right up your alley
1: could be right up your alley i don't think it'll be as good as dead cells because dead cells is phenomenal but this looks good
0: cool 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 and the other title you had on here was regions of ruin yeah regions of ruin
1: I, I just wanted to mention it it's coming out soon it's mm-hmm. uh it's like a terraria okay yeah yeah. So it looked like that except uh, with dwarves i think
0: dwarves. dwarves nice excellent so that is what's coming out very soon um and that's that's going to do it for today oh yeah that's been a, it's been a quite an action-packed episode Um, So thank you so much for listening And thank you to everyone who sent in their questions There were no questions, why do I continue to read this Verbatim, Mm. Um, keep them coming Remember you can listen to the show each and every week At switchrpg.com or you can Subscribe on your favorite podcast app If you listen on an app, please give Us a rating and review, we want to climb up The charts on those platforms So your support would be amazing And finally, remember You can head over to switchrpg.com For all your RPG needs for the Nintendo Switch Until next time See you around.